45 Years of the Rockford Files, revised third edition. The complete history of the Rockford Files on television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com. Hi, this is John Biney. You're listening to TV Confidential. Well, let's hear it for him. Come on, come on out here. If I can dream of a warmer sun Where hope keeps shining Oh, everyone tell me why Oh, why, oh, why Won't that sun appear? Another iconic moment is the final song performed in the special, If I Can Dream. Tell us the story about that. Well, I wanted the American public, the world for that matter, to really know who Elvis was, not just the performer. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen him uh, other than under a completely controlled environment, like making movies. Uh, You know, if he did television, it was very uh, predictable what he was going to be doing. Uh, And I, I... uh, because I had spent so much time with him and with our little behind-the-scenes family, we got to really know him. We were together when uh, uh, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated at the Ambassador Hotel mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Uh, we happened to be rehearsing at my offices at the time and, and heard this big commotion in one of the other offices where the television was on. So we walked into the room, and uh, it, it, he had, uh, Kennedy had just been assassinated, and uh, we spent all night talking about the assassinations of Martin Luther King, of uh, John Kennedy, and so forth and so on. And so it was really a case of, you know, I knew Elvis, aside from his great sense of humor, there was a real u- human person with a lot of feeling and humanity in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just come off this incident of, of basic racism uh, on the Petula Clark Harry Belafonte special. Yeah where somebody objected to a black and a white person uh, touching. And uh, it was a case of where, in the Elvis special, we were a United Nations uh, production. I mean, we had a Puerto Rican choreographer, a black choreographer. We had a, a totally mixed ethnic uh, dance company, extras, actors, and so forth. The Blossoms, three uh, great black uh, background singers, were known as the best uh, studio singers uh, on the West Coast uh, and did so many, many hit records. And they were with him when he was doing his big gospel production number, etc. And I didn't see any uh, prejudice, racism, anything coming from Elvis. I just saw a compassionate human being who loved everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved him back. And uh, so it was really a case of... Uh, I wanted the public to, to get to know him in the closing song. The Colonel, all the while, was pressing for a Christmas song. <laughs> I said, everybody's going to do a Christmas song mm-hmm. at the end of their show in December. I don't want to do that with Elvis. So secretly, I told Billy Goldenberg, our musical director, and Earl Brown, our vocal uh, director, uh, to come up with a song, an original song, incorporating all the feelings we had about Elvis. And... Uh, you know, what happened was uh, I got a call uh, one evening, a few days later, from uh, Earl Brown saying, uh, Steve, I think we nailed it, and so could you meet us at the studio really early, and, and uh, we'll play it for you. So I met him first thing in the morning, uh, got up really early, 
I drove out to Burbank, and we went into Elvis's dressing room before uh, Elvis had, had gone to the bathroom or something. He was not <laughs> in his dressing room. Yeah. Nobody was there. And so uh, they sat down at the piano, took out a lead sheet with uh, If I Can Dream, Billy Goldenberg, Earl Brown, uh, lyrics and music, and played it for Elvis. And Elvis oh, and played it for me. Mm-hmm. And then I loved it. I approved it. And then when Elvis came in, I said, Elvis, uh, I think we've got the closing song. So we go into the, in, by the piano, and uh, Earl, with a great voice, sings the lyrics. Billy plays a phenomenal piano, and he played the, the music behind Earl. They sang it, and I loved it. And so when Elvis was there, I said, Elvis, you got to hear this song. I think this is the closing song. And basically, you know, if I can dream of a better world where everybody gets along and so forth, the lyrics said what Elvis was kind of, you know, emoting mm-hmm. through the entire rehearsal and production. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Elvis heard it, and he said, uh, play it again. And uh, I could hear the colonel who had arrived by that time with, all the RCA people and his entourage, uh, and they were in the other room uh, where the piano wasn't, and uh, I could hear the colonel saying, what's Bender doing? <laughs> never going to, over my dead body, is he ever going to get Elvis to sing this song? Yeah. And then uh, Elvis made them play it and sing it for about three or four times in a row, which was his style when yeah. he heard something new. He was, he was absorbing it. Then, then he looked at me and said, I like it. I'll do it. Door bursts open. In comes Colonel Parker and the head of his publishing company with contract Earl <laughs> to sign, yeah. to wear their rights to the publishing, which I guess was pretty normal in the Elvis mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, before they signed anything, Billy Goldenberg, who well, I'll never forget this, yeah. who's still one of my best friends, said. Uh, you know, I've got to be really honest, Steve. I can't have my name on this. Earl wrote the words and the music by himself, and he took an eraser and erased his name off the lead sheet. That cost Billy Goldenberg hundreds of thousands of dollars in what he would have gotten as residuals and, and royalties uh, for the song. And uh, the, the amazing thing about If I Can Dream is that Elvis never, ever, after the 68 special, performed it again. It, it was so special to him. And uh, so I, I, you know, to this day, I get goosebumps when I hear it, uh, going through the yeah. uh, the experience with him. And, and honestly, uh, when we went to do the uh, orchestra track for it, uh, Elvis uh, had, had uh, uh, we just finished a big recording session with all the musicians. And there were some, I think, by the time we finished the special, we had like 42 musicians. Elvis had never sung with anything larger than a rhythm section in his life mm-hmm. and, and insisted when I brought the orchestra in that I send them all home if he didn't like Billy's arrangements and so forth. But, you know, once the downbeat happened, he loved it. In fact, when he went to Vegas, he got a bigger orchestra. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's, another, that's another thing, you know, that he took from his experience working with you and, 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 and he kind of incorporated into uh, his performances 
throughout the 70s. I love the story. I, I, I love that end note story about Billy erasing his name from the credits. I know Billy Goldenberg's work from, a, I mean, he scored a lot of film and television throughout the 70s and 80s. And sure uh, many of my favorite shows. So I've always liked him as an artist. I was not aware that he had, I, I, I was not aware that he had removed himself from the credit. I respect him more as an artist and as a person as a result of that story, Steve. Well, I appreciate it, and I, I, he well deserves it. He's really, you know, he's really a special human being. And uh, I, I used to go to some uh, recording sessions when we were doing Petula Clark. Uh, he and Michelle Legrand would play together, do a dual pianos, mm-hmm. and uh, that was really exciting. Wow! Yeah. Of, you know, just for fun. I mean, yeah. they weren't being paid, or they weren't, uh, but they just. Uh, Petula was good friends with Michelle. She introduced Billy to him, and the two of them hit it off. And next thing you know, you know, they're they're playing piano together. It was fantastic. <laughs> One more item. Here's something a lot of us have in common: broken appliances, broken air conditioner, broken down heating system, broken down washer dryer, broken down refrigerator. And if you're a homeowner, you know just how expensive it is to get one of those things fixed, let alone what happens if more than one appliance breaks down at the same time. Well, if you're a homeowner, you can get all of your appliances on a warranty plan that guarantees protection for all of your home appliances in case they break down. And best of all, it will only cost you about a dollar a day. Call the Home Service Club at 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. The call is free, and if you're one of the first 25 callers, your first month membership in the Home Service Club will also be free. Home Service Club, warranty plan, guarantees protection for all of your appliances for less than a dollar a day. 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of QE Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.